In some ways, I might feel like uh, what Peter said in, in 2 Peter 1, 12 and 13, that I, so I remind you of these things even though you already know them. I think it's good to refresh your memory that uh, there's something more th- about Christmas than just presents and gifts and, and boxes and bows and tags, as the Grinch puts here. And, uh, I, I, of course, I love, I love this movie. Uh, I love the remake of it with Jim Carrey. I, any, any storytelling of this, and honestly, of Dr. Seuss, period. I, great storyteller. But I just, I, I love that about the season, about what it can bring with people. Last week, we talked about love and what really pulls in with this, with, with this holiday season about love. But this week, I want to look at what joy, what joy is. And, and I want to talk about joy on, on a couple different aspects. One is it's definitely a gift of Christmas. And I'm not talking about the joy. It's just, it seems everywhere in, in a lot of cases. I'm going to go shopping tomorrow is the plan. And I imagine before I enter some of the stores, I will be greeted by the lovely and somewhat annoying sound of a bell. You know what I'm talking about, right? Handheld bell by, by the Salvation Army. And I am in full support of that, but I do have to say, I never could be that, be that person for two reasons. If I heard that bell all the time, I couldn't be joyful. I could not smile and say Merry Christmas to someone. I'd be like, take this bell, I'm running away. But they have it. They have this sense of joy. But with this, this, this idea with joy, is that it is a true gift of Christmas. We, we just read, but in Luke 2, 8 through 12, I'm going to read it again because it's so good. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good noise or good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign of you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. I bring you good no- news of great joy, it says. This word great here. This word great in the Greek, the word is megas, where we get the word mega from. I like that. I like this idea that, that it says good news, the angel proclaimed, not just of good news of joy. No, it was good news of mega joy. Good news of mega joy, mega joy for all the people, mega joy for me, mega joy for you. This is big stuff. This is huge mega joy. The second reason I want to talk about joy is because many during this time, for many, Christmas is not a joyful time. You know, we may sing joy to the world, the Lord has come. Oh, come all you faithful, joyful and triumphant, repeat the sounding joy, and tis the season to be jolly, but joy, real joy seems to elude so many people. It seems to be that, that, that rabbit in Alice in Wonderland, you know? You just can't seem to grasp him. He's there, but then again, he's not. That's how joy seems to be. And I'm, not, I'm sure that's not news to you. Statistics say that, that every Christmas season is a time of great depression for so many people. And in fact, suicide rates seem to come up 
during the Christmas season. Isn't this supposed to be a joyful holiday? What are these people missing out on? Now understand, though, it's, uh, it's not just those in the world that feel this way. I see people, even people belonging to Christ, those who attend church, those who, who sing praises to him, go around this time of year looking like the Grinch and sounding like Scrooge. They are stressed out, worn out, burned out, and all joyed out. I've had enough of it. Now understand, my desire here this morning is to take preventative action. We have not entered Christmas yet. And if you're already burnt out on it and burnt out on all your joy already, then we need to refocus because joy is something that should not be burned out on. You should never burn out on it. And so I want this Christmas to be the most joyful Christmas that you have ever had. Now, that's a choice. It's not, I, I'm not going to give amazing presents, which would be nice. I'm sure that would make plenty of you happy if I started giving away very nice presents. But that's not where joy comes from. That's not the idea of joy. But how do we have just the best Christmas ever? How do we have joy what it really it even is joy? You know, we tend to equate happiness with joy a lot of times. But the two are totally different ideas. Each spring from a different source. You see, happiness comes from the world around me, but joy originates from the spirit of the living God. Happiness is, is conditioned by and often dependent on the world around, what is happening to me. In fact, the word happiness comes from the English, uh, English understanding of happenstance. Happenstance means something that happens because of circumstance. They just didn't want to say all that, so they mushed those two in, uh, the bookmark uh, book and words together in happenstance, and we got, get from there happiness. Quite different. Uh, I, if, treat, if people treat me good, things are going well in my life, if I'm healthy, then I'm happy. But if things don't go well, you better look out. Because I'm not going to be happy about it. Joy, on the other hand, joy throbs throughout Scripture as a profound and compelling quality. Uh, this quality of life that even transcends the events and disasters that this world often has on God's people. Joy is really a divine dimension it's uh, of living not shackled to circumstances. It has nothing to do with circumstances. The Hebrew word for joy means to leap or spin around with pleasure. Doesn't that sound great? Doesn't that just sound something that you want to be filled with? To leap or spin around with pleasure. I get to watch, uh, well, just JC right now do this. That whenever she finds something that is particularly joyful, that's her very first reactions is she will leap and she will spin and she will laugh and so will I because it is so great to watch her express her joy. We need to see more of that in this world. The New Testament refers to the word as gladness or bliss or celebration. Let me give you a definition of joy then. It's an evidence of the presence of God in your life. If God is not in your life, you cannot be filled with the Spirit of God, and you cannot exemplify this fruit of the Spirit. That may sound a little ambiguous, though. So it may be easiest to understand joy by seeing what it's not. 
best description about, that I could about a non-joy would be a bad attitude. I think a bad attitude is quite the opposite of joy. And I'm going to give you a list of how to have a bad attitude. It's not something you normally have in, in sermons. But here you go. Take notes if you're ready. How to have a bad attitude. Number one, allow your attitude to be based on circumstances. Number two, adapt when and then thinking. You know, when I get my driver's license, when my kids are in school, when I have this pay increase, then I will be happy. It's an easy way to have a bad attitude. Number three, consistently put your needs above the needs of others. That kind of hits home sometimes. Adapt the it's all about me attitude. Put your needs above your wife's, your children's, your co-workers, everybody else's. And when things don't go your way, throw, throw a fit. That's a good way of having a bad attitude. Number four is probably the strongest wallow in the pit of worry. What if this happens? What if that happens? Uh, you might call it worst-case scenario-itis. Some people have that. Spend all your time wrapped, uh, wrapped up and in, in paralyzing yourself by this fear of worry. Don't even think about a verse like Matthew six twenty-seven that says, who by worrying can add a single hour to his life? This is how to have a bad attitude. This is and at least a few steps. You probably have more from, from your experience in life, and, that, and that's fine. So you can agree with me that this is at least a start of a list, how to have a bad attitude. But worry, this last one, really seems to be one of the biggest joy killers, doesn't it? If you're worried about something, doesn't that seem to just kill all the joy? The word, the word worry in Greek actually comes from two words, meaning to divide the mind. I thought that's a great description. It divides your mind between all the good things and all the bad things. Your mind is divided to where you worry about it. The English word actually comes from Anglo-Saxon, uh, and the, the word in the Anglo-Saxon means to choke or to strangle. I think that's exactly what worry does. It chokes our joy. It strangles it out. I think that's one of the easiest ways to not have joy is, is to worry. Let's read Matthew 6, 25. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can, any, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon and all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything. He will give you everything you need. Or maybe it's further on in a verse in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, it's not a coincidence that Paul talks about rejoicing in this joy and worry or anxiety in the same sentence. You see, whenever, if we want to be able to rejoice always, we're going to have to set aside all of our anxiety, all of our worry. And Paul's, Paul's advice to us on how to do that, the key is to give every anxiety to God, to let God have our worries, let God have our anxieties. That's what Matthew was talking about, is why worry about these things? Why worry about these details of getting a gift for everybody? What The perfect gift. Isn't it, isn't it the attitude that really counts? Now, I still want my gift. You know, if you're, if you're still trying to uh, figure out what you want to get me, then I'll be glad to let you know. But that's not the point. That's not the point of it. And many of us may, may see this verse here and almost kind of laugh at it. The first part, it says, Rejoice in the Lord. I get that, but the next word, Always. I will say it again, Rejoice. Can someone really rejoice in the Lord always? You know, certain things are going to happen in my life, Lord. Do I really have to rejoice now, always? You know, people who do that are usually called fake. They're not real. They're not in touch with this world. Well, maybe that's not a bad thing, to not be necessarily in touch with this world, but in touch with the Father. Maybe that's where joy comes from. Or... Let's take that one step further. James 1 and 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What? What in the world is he saying here? He's crazy. I know he is. You read the rest of the book, it just seems like James is, is crazy. He's got to be. But he's not. You know, I might be able to look at this and see, you know, consider it, uh, consider it an opportunity for little joy. I might be able to do that. I might be able to see, see a little joy in this, but great joy, really? You know, an attitude of joy is an intentional decision. It's intentional. It's something that, that we decide beforehand that I'm going to treat this with joy. I'm going to have that type of attitude Remember, we're not talking about happiness, which is an attitude based on happenings. Joy is that inner delight that is derived from an intimate relationship with Christ. And I believe that to be the case, is that it is derived from an intimate relationship with Christ. You can't have joy without Christ. You can't have joy without that Holy Spirit. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what life may bring you, this inner delight comes from my relationship with Christ. Joy will flood my soul. It is that joy that is the peace that passes all understanding. People don't understand that. Let's take a look at how, uh, how Christ viewed his upcoming crucifixion here in, in John 15. This is the night before Christ is about to be crucified. This is the night he is going to be betrayed. He was going to be wrongly accused, put on trial, wrongly accused, even acquitted for a crime he did not commit, he's going to have a crown of thorns not just placed on his head, put on his head with force. 
He's going to be slapped. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be spat upon. Later on, he's going to be nailed to a cross. Doesn't sound like a very joyful time, does it? But here's what he says. 15 verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And listen to verse uh, verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Jesus is about to endure one of the harshest treatments of the physical body that anyone could ever imagine. And he says, my joy is so full, it's overflowing. How can he do that? How, how can he see that? Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, looks back on this. In, a, in Hebrews 12, 2, says this, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross and scorned its shame. How can there be any joy in a cross? Or more so, the, the question I really want to know is how can I experience that kind of joy? How can I experience the joy that comes from a cross? How do I sign up for that? I believe, first of all, we need to develop and maintain a personal relationship with Christ. I think that's the key foundation for joy is that personal relationship. Listen to what John 15, 5 and 6 says. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered in, into a pile to be burned. Jesus is saying here that when we become Christians, we are like a, a branch attached to this vine, that Jesus is this vine. We're the branches. And as long as we're attached to him, we will bear his fruit. If you were in class this morning, we hit a lot on this idea of the fruit that is being produced by being attached to the right vine. But I believe that if you're not a Christian, you cannot manufacture joy. It's not something you can head in, you know, get in your car, head down to Amarillo, go to Barnes & Noble. You walk in there, there's the self-help section. It's rather large. And you start looking, and you find the book on how to produce joy. And that's going to work. Now, you have plenty of books about happiness and how to be happy and, and, and that which is all circumstantial. But how to produce joy does not come from a self-help book. It comes from the book, the Word of God, and understanding and living that in our lives. God's kind of joy is, is not depend upon our current situation. In fact, God's joy can even exist despite our circumstances. A person once asked a friend, how you doing? Well, the friend was going through uh, something that was upsetting him, and just something happened in his life, and he said, well, all right, under the circumstances. The first man then replied, well, what are you doing there? What are you doing under your circumstances? You know, God never intended us for be un to be under our circumstances. In, in fact, he wants us to be overcomers or more than conquerors with these things. Not under them. God wants our prevailing attitude as Christians to be joyful. Not boring, long-faced, legalistic. 
Church is not meant to be boring or painful, to be endured a couple hours or, you know, a couple times a week. I was reading a story about a little boy. He had his grandfather, uh, lived out on a farm. He was visiting him. And he went around to each of the animals on the farm, and he saw all, all the chickens kind of playing and, and scattering about. And he, saw, he, he said, oh, they don't have it. And he went and saw, a, uh, saw a, a little calf that was just playful, running around everywhere, as they don't have it. Finally, he, he, came, he came to a mule. The mule was just standing there, long face with all the joke, and he says, he's got it. And the grandfather was like, what? He's got the same religion you have. Ouch. Ouch. But isn't that how we act sometimes? Isn't that how we see religion? A lot of times it's like, oh, we have to be somber. I w- my brother and I would always, would always laugh growing up about how, how do you approach uh, the microphone to lead a prayer. Because someone can be just joking around and be at a good attitude and just playful, and as soon as they're called upon to pray, to draw, you know, none of that's there, and they walk very slowly to the microphone. And then if they're feeling especially good, it's the deep breath before they pray. Would you bow with me? And that's, we always joked about it because we're like, is that really how we approach God? Does it have to be in that type of attitude whenever we see all over Scripture that there's this joy that he wants us to have? In fact, in Luke 2, whenever he sends his son, it's good news of mega joy. This is the biggest joy you're going to have. Latch on to it. Fill it. Let it fill your life up. This is the stuff that I want you to have in your life. This joy. But remember, it comes from that relationship with God. You can't manufacture it by yourself. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we know what it says. But the Holy uh, Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, and it goes on. Who produces it? Not us. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of joy in us. So let's get back to this this idea about Christmas and having a joyful Christmas. I hope you realize that joy is a choice. It is not something that you can just manufacture saying, you know what, we're going to have a great Christmas this year. I'm going to cook all the right food. Everyone's getting the perfect present. It's going to be joyful. It might be happy for that, but that's not going to create the joy. What's going to create the joy is latching on to the joy giver, and that is God, and that is having that relationship with Christ. Christmas is not about the gifts. It's not about the wassail, as good as the wassail may be, the snow or the pre- presents or decorations or anything. Question, why do you think that the Grinch thought he had stole Christmas from the Who's? You know, he thought he had taken away all the things that Christmas was about. He would taken away all of the decorations, all of the, all the presents, everything and he thought man this is great he hoped that this was a final note in his symphony of nastiness but that's why when the grinch heard coming from the from whoville not not the sounds of sadness but sounds of joy he was perplexed because it came without gifts it came without tags it came without packages boxes or bags 
It came just the same. Understand, the reason the Grinch couldn't take away the Who's Christmas is the Who's did not equate the stuff that they had with Christmas. They did not have that circumstance of not having that stuff affect their Christmas. I think that's a pretty powerful lesson from Dr. Seuss. Not just about what Christmas is about, but what Christianity is about. That it doesn't matter what is happening in this world that doesn't affect our joy. We can still wake up every morning, every morning and sing praises to our God and Savior. Why do you think Paul and Silas were singing praises in prison? Because they didn't have happiness, they had joy. Where's our joy? Do you have it? Do you have that inner joy that just seems to just ooze out, whether, whether people, people realize it or not? It doesn't always come with a smile on your face. That joy may be in just understanding situations and understanding that this circumstance doesn't mean anything because I'm latched on to the joy giver. I'm not asking that everyone has to go around smiling 24-7 as much as I would like that, and I would love to see it from you all. I don't think that's the point either. The point is not this outward thing, it's this inward thing this inward joy, and do you have that? Do you have this joy that just, you know, you feel it and it comforts you? If not, then we need to work on something. Because that joy is coming from being latched on the Christ. If you're latched on the Christ and don't have this joy, you're missing out. I would venture to say that you have not fully latched on to what Christ has to offer. But if you haven't been baptized and, and become a Christian and latched on to Christ, then now's a great time. You will experience a joy that you cannot explain. A joy that even we, who have been Christians for years, can't really explain. It's the joy that surpasses our understanding. If you're in need of that kind of joy, if you're in need of unloading burdens, this invitation is for you. If you would come forward and let those needs be known as we stand and sing.